I'm basically using the, uh, the Luke 15 version of the parable. We heard both of them, and there was a, a sort of slightly different uh, group of people that was uh, character- characterized as uh, being spoken to. Um, the Matthew group was definitely a Christian group, and the Luke group was, um, was sinners and tax collectors, as it says in the first verse, which is why I asked it to be pulled back to verse 1 in the reading. Um, and so I'm going to focus on that one, but it's interesting that there should be those two versions of it in the Gospel. People wonder why the Gospels do seem to have this repetitive element. I think just Jesus will have been telling this story as he went around and, and um, Matthew recorded it that way that he, he recorded it in that setting speaking to the disciples Luke recorded it in the setting that he heard it speaking to tax collectors and sinners so I mean Jesus was telling these stories as he went around um, they weren't, didn't necessarily have to be just one-off stories so that's just a wee bit about the, the way it might have happened you see just to go back to the way I started and Patty um, the shepherds at the time of Jesus often were the butt of the joke. They invariably were people from the north who would have gone down to Jerusalem and, and Jericho and Bethlehem, as, as we know from the, the Christmas story. And quite often there were northerners. There's a lot of jokes about accents around. And so th- they were going south looking work, these shepherds. And it was jobs that the career-minded people, if you like, the uh, building society people and the bankers, they wouldn't have gone for the sort of shepherd jobs when they looked in the papers. Uh, they would have been going for the more financial things. That was a joke. Um, nobody got it. Uh, so that, that's the story about the shepherds. They were the butt of the joke. And, and in the 60s and 50s even, the navvies, the Irish navvies came over from Ireland to help out on the roads here and build the roads. And the pe- people say that Liverpool's the sort of second capital of Ireland because of that. And so it's, it's, I think it's helpful to piggyback on this sort of Irish image but you might not think so by the end of it but um when jesus said when he was talking to the crowd of people in in luke 15 and he said there was a man or a shepherd looking after a hundred sheep the crowd would have shuffled a wee bit closer and they they would have been up for a bit of fun um just as if i said paddy the irish man lives in a three-roomed house with no toilet in mayo You, you sort of move a little bit closer in your mind and you're you're waiting for a wee bit of fun and the story develops from there and uh, they were up for a bit of a giggle I think at the expense of Paddy the shepherd as I develop it and with Pat's permission I'll I'll go on um, one day let's say Paddy went out to kind of sheep and he was throwing some Swedes on the ground in the lowlands and the sheep were coming down to feed off the Swedes and he thought good time good time to count the sheep so he goes and Pat's sheep this is his little herd in Ireland and this is true I've got blue spots because I've been there to visit him and so he counts his blue spot sheep and he goes one blue spot two three blue spots four blue spots and he's counting his hundred sheep and he gets 96 97 98 99 99 I had a hundred I've got 99 so he thinks that's nothing new I can't count anyway so he starts again so Starts one blue spot, two blue spots, three, 97, 98, 99. Could he be wrong twice with the right, with the wrong answer twice? That's the big question. So he thinks, try again. Three times he gets 99 sheep. And he thinks there's only one explanation for it. One must be lost or hurt. 
are dead. That's three things, but he probably doesn't realize that. There's only one explanation for it. So, Paddy, what do you do when you've got 99 sheep around you eating your turnips and swedes and you've one that's lost? Let's put it another way, Paddy. What do you not do when you've got 99 sheep around you and one's lost and one might be hurt and might not even be worth saving? You don't go and look for the one that's lost. So you can start to get the mood of the picture that Jesus might have been building up as he was talking to the people. You don't go and look for the one that's lost. Cut your losses, Paddy, for goodness sake. Stay with the herd that you've got. So what do you think Paddy does? Paddy goes off and thinks, ah, oh, the wee thing might be hurt, it might be bleating, it might be lonely. I'll go and look for the one that's lost. Paddy the shepherd doesn't do the sensible thing. He goes off up the fields, through the briars and bushes. Paddy might have got his legs cut to shreds looking for that one lost sheep shouting for it, listening in crevices, ditches, streams, looking for the one that's lost. He won't give up. As I said, it might not even be worth it at the end anyway. He doesn't know what he's going to find if he finds it. And then Paddy hears something. Bah. That's a sheep. So that's a <laughs> it was a bit feeble, I think. That was a but he hears this. Bah. That's Paddy's sheep. And he follows the voice of the sheep or the sound of the sheep. And he finds it there. And he bends down, it says, and picks it up. Just like as if it was his child. And Paddy puts it over his shoulder. Because that's what they did. If a sheep was injured, and we're not talking about a lamb here. It's a sheep. If a sheep was injured, a shepherd, and wasn't able to make it back, the shepherd would have draped it over his shoulders the weight of that he would have taken it all the way back so over the shoulders it goes and off goes Paddy so Paddy what do you do when you find the lost sheep Paddy take it back to the 99 that you find what does Paddy the Irish shepherd do he goes into the town and tells his mates he's found the sheep there's 99 sheep still out in the hill somewhere Paddy was so overjoyed with the one that was lost that he went and threw a party. There's more rejoicing, says in verse 7, over one, finding one that was lost. He's so happy. He wants the whole town, his neighbors, it says, to find the lost sheep. He says, rejoice with me to them. Rejoice with me. And all the time, the crowd of tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees that's spoken of in verse 1 are gathered round listening to Jesus telling this. Now thinking, Paddy, you daft aged of a shepherd that went to find the one lost sheep and then when he found it, he didn't even go back to the 99 that he left. He went and rejoiced and then Jesus would hijack the joke. And Jesus said, more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. And they say, sinners? That's the first time he's mentioned that word. That's us he's talking about heaven that's the first time he's mentioned that that's God he's talking about and Pharisees in the crowd might move a bit closer suddenly talking about God it's Jesus saying that Jesus saying that God heavenly father God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob shepherds a lot of them 
But he's a daft shepherd. An Egypt. Yahweh, as they would have called him. They've been laughing at Yahweh all the way through. Jesus, are you saying that every lost sheep matters so much to God that he would risk it all for one? Jesus says, yes. That's exactly what he was saying. He would risk it all for one. When I look at myself, I'm sure it echoes with you. Look at yourself and say, am I worth it? Am I worth it? Risking it all for one. I'm the sinner. Am I worth it? And I'm not. I muck up all the time. I want to be holy and I'm not holy. I want to pray more and I pray less. I want to tell all my friends about Jesus. I want to tell them that he's set them free. And I don't do it. I never get to the best bit. And I tell them about church and back off a bit when it comes to the bit that Jesus don't come. I muck up all the time. So if you're asking me, was it worth it? I definitely no, I'm not worth it. But the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus, the man. So we're asking Jesus, and Jesus says every time, yes, Calvin is worth it every time. Mike and Chris and Dave and Trevor, whatever your name is, Jesus says you're worth it every time you are the lost sheep. You're worth it. That's how crazy our good shepherd is. And when you see your neighbor today, when you pull up to somebody in the drive uh, in, at the traffic lights and look across and you look eye to eye at somebody, remember that that's a lost person. And lost people matter to God. And when you go to the shop to buy something and you look eye to eye to somebody, remember that's a lost person. And lost people matter to God. That's what we've been hearing. And your friends and your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbors, your work colleagues, whatever. You look at them. Remember, as you engage their eye-to-eye contact, just remember how much they matter to God. They matter to God just as much as you or I do gathered within here. We've heard the message. We've responded. But the lost matter just as much. Of course, they're grieving God, perhaps. But they matter to God just as much. The good shepherd, Jesus, when he came, it could have all gone pear-shaped. Jesus could have bailed out. Jesus was God and man. But Jesus taught it, like here. He lived it. He died it. He did it. God loved the world so much. John 3.16 that he gave his only begotten son so that none of us should have to perish but all of us could have everlasting life that's God that's God like Paddy the Irishman caught up <coughs> caught up with finding people, saving people throwing a party you see just to come to a close when we talked about the 99 sheep and I said cut your losses we were talking about a possession we were talking about a herd 99 things 
That was, that was our livelihood, if you like, when we were in this story. But not to God. It's not a possession. God has a compassion for everyone. Everyone matters to God. God sees value. He sees value in the people and the things that, <coughs> excuse me, that the world chooses to ignore. He sees value in the marginalized people. People maybe we would think as no hopers. Maybe looking at ourselves, some of us think we're a wee bit like that. There's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Matthew 18, verse 14 says, He longs that none, none should perish. So what does this do for us? Does it give us fire in our bellies for those friends and relatives and acquaintances? When we lock eyes with somebody, does it give us that fire in our bellies for them? To pray for them? Until they hear the message? Does it give us fire in our bellies to care for them? Does it give us fire in our bellies to tell them? To mention the world, the word of Jesus? As I said earlier, it's easier to just take that shorter step, which is to talk about church. But Jesus is the one that will draw people to himself. I invite you to mention the name of Jesus when you're talking to people. He longs for you to be active in caring for people. To me, that's the story or the joke of the 99 sheep and the one that got lost. And I've used Paddy as a way of doing it. And I don't, I don't think I've abused scripture, but somebody might think I have. But I do think it was, it was a joke which Jesus would then have developed and spoken right into the hearts of people. I was wondering if I could, we could sing a song. Um, there's a Kendrick's Grim Kendrick song. I mentioned this to Mandy. I bumped into Mandy yesterday. Um, My God, what love is this? Do you know it? Uh, it's in Mission Praise, which has gone and mucked everything up because you've had to give that book out as well. Four, seven, six. And if we just sit and sing it and just let it soak in, what love is this? And just sing it quietly, sing it as a prayer, 